Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you have moderate to high stress, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wrecks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings. Now, the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. If your life is a bit stressful and you want to lose weight, add lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com and enter VICTOR15. That's promo code VICTOR15 at takelean.com, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease and is not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. Hello, ladies. Hello, gentlemen. This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show. I'm Jack Fowler, the host, the star namesake Victor Davis Hanson is the Martin and Ely Anderson Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne Amashabuski Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. Victor, this week, like every other week, there's just a ton of stuff to talk about. Uh, I know you spoke and uh, on a previous podcast you recorded with Sammy Wink, talked about some of these classified documents uh, with Joe Biden, but not where they were found. That news has come up since you recorded. So we're going to get your thoughts on uh, garage vaults for classified documents and your thoughts about some of our old favorites, uh, Pete Buttigieg <laughs> and Adam Schiff and maybe even Eric uh, Swalwell. We'll, we'll get to the, all of this right after these important messages. Can't pay the IRS? Haven't filed in a while? Receiving threatening letters? Yeah, it's about to get worse. The IRS is hiring an army of agents targeting hardworking Americans like you. You need warriors on your side. You need Tax Network USA. Tax Network USA has brilliant strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. For instance, They've discovered a limited-time special offer that the IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties. Find out if you qualify before it's too late. Never call the IRS alone. Let Tax Network USA attorneys handle it. They have preferred direct lines to the IRS. They know which agents to work with and which to avoid. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts and offer a best-in-class guarantee. Schedule your free consultation now. Call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit TNUSA.com slash Victor. TNUSA.com slash Victor. Folks, we're sponsored today by Donors Trust, the tax-friendly way 
to preserve your charitable giving. In times of crisis, those with a giving spirit and a desire to build up civil society find ways to be helpful. And that's when it's good to have a charitable resource ready to deploy when they're needed most. Donors Trust offers donor-advised funds or giving accounts. You can use these funds as your own charitable investment account and manage your charitable giving in a way that's smart, tax-advantaged, aligned with your values, and private. Donors Trust clients are using their funds to support charities helping their local communities while also using their giving account to simultaneously support think tanks and liberty-minded organizations that believe our constitutional rights shouldn't get lost in a time of emergency. Now is the time to take a closer look at Donors Trust and join their community of liberty-minded donors by opening a donor-advised fund. Go to DonorsTrust.org justnews for the ultimate survival guide to charitable giving and learn how a donor advice fund can preserve your ability to give to the charities you love. That's donorstrust.org slash just news. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson show. So Victor, the last few days, this uh, information has spilled out, not only that there were these classified documents, well known before the elections, the November elections, but the first tranche was found at the the Biden Institute, and then others have been found at his home in Delaware in a in a garage next to his Corvette. And there were some pictures on today's New York Post of him backing into the garage in his tough guy car. And it really looks like there's a bunch of files in the background. Maybe they're not that, but it's it's certainly who would be surprised. I, I kind of think our president is a tough guy, right, Victor? I think he's, he can jam rosary beads down your throat if he wants to. We can ride around in his tough guy car and he can put Corn important ball. documents wherever the hell he wants to put them and too bad. Victor, what are your thoughts about this, um, the location of some of the of this important uh, material? You know, it's very funny because they put this poor, pathetic Kareem Jean-Pierre out there and there was nothing to say other than I'm not going to say anything because every time anybody said anything, it, it had to be corrected or it was incorrect. And so he wants us to believe the following that suddenly and, and we're going to do the ju- juicy small, you know, that the bleach freezes, doesn't freeze at sub temperatures and people wander around nocturnal Chicago and, liberal neighborhoods with MAGA hats and ropes and bleach waiting to find a black uh, drama star so they can lynch him. Right. Well, right. That's, that's what Joe bought. He wants us to believe that all of a sudden after the midterms, his lawyers were methodically going through his think tank office and saw just by accident a personal thing. And then only the lawyers who were skilled in such matters immediately called the National Archives. And then they sprung into action and ordered a search. And it was impossible to believe that because we know that lawyers don't go into people's offices. Somebody who was in charge of either collecting the the materials or moving them saw them and saw they were classified so called his lawyers and that in that raises the the issue well, what, who had the 
who had the clearances? Did these people who were moving them, did they have clearances? Did the lawyers who then took a look at them, do they have clearances? Was that one or two violations? And then this was known on November 2nd. Why didn't they why didn't they tell the people what was going on? They hit it just like they did the Bankman Freed fiasco. They they suppressed it before the midterm. You mean the independent the independent Justice Department is not independent? No, it's not. And what is very strange about it was it was kind of, you know, karma, nemesis, payback's a bitch, what goes around comes around, et cetera, et cetera, because he had called, you know, Trump irresponsible and he'd staged a raid. But as everybody pointed out, there were some differences. Donald Trump, in theory, can declare anything unclassified as president. Now, whether he did formally, that's a, a, a point of contention, but Biden can't. Biden had this was going on since 2017. It's not like Donald Trump left office and a year later they were they were fighting nonstop and they called the FBI. This had been going on for, I don't know, from 17 to 2022 for five years. These classified documents had been in his garage, which I guess Hunter had access to. And they had been in his library. They'd been in his home and an adjacent room. We don't know where else they've been. And then they were supposedly, what, they were related to Ukraine and China and the UK. We know that Ukraine and China were two areas of interest of the Biden consortium, right? Their quid pro quo operation. So you, the question arises, why did, why did the vice president, when he left office, take out classified information? And he must have known they were classified or he wouldn't have taken them out. Now, why is he claiming he doesn't even know what's in them? He can't remember. Maybe that's that part might be true because he can't remember anything. But my point is, what was he doing with it? Because I'm asking this question in relationship to Trump, because the first question the left raised was, why did he take them out? And the second question is, what was on them? And then without any evidence, they said, well, he took them out. Because he was going to sell them or blackmail or collude. So they were nuclear codes and nuclear secrets. So those were the two issues that we were obsessed over on the months leading up to the midterm, which, by the way, they used as a weapon in the midterm. Turned out that was a lie. They don't. I think it was Michael Beschloss, the quote unquote presidential historian who right. tweeted, tweeted out the Rosenbergs. And then our illustrious former CIA head, Mr. Hayden, said, I like that. I.e., Trump should be executed for having right. nuclear codes. So nobody asked, though. Nobody said, well, what was on these things? What was the general topics about Ukraine? And why did Joe Biden have it? And you would have thought that somebody, if they were to play reciprocally, would have said, well, maybe Joe Biden had these confidential files because he was studying profiles of Ukrainians or studying profiles of Chinese, or he wanted to know the intricacies in their government because he was exploiting them along with his son to make money. But nobody's even raised that question. I raised it on uh, Jesse Waters the other day, and I don't, I don't think it resonated much, but it seems to be a legitimate inquiry. And then, of course, it's kind of like the Watergate break-in that, led to the so-called cover-up of the plumbers and all that. So this, I don't know why we hadn't known that $51 million had been given by foreign governments with at least $14 million coming from the communist Chinese to fund the Biden Center. 
And I don't I don't think the Biden Center was anything other than using the University of Pennsylvania as a nonprofit front right. to get an office right. building so they could have a headquarters and get a bunch of money and, and operate in Washington during his campaign. Right. He didn't teach. He didn't write anything. So ultimately, they're going to have to ask who found them. Were they cleared with security clearances? Once the lawyers contacted the DOJ, did the DOJ take over, i.e. via the FBI, or did they just outsource it again to the lawyers, which they apparently did because they found another trove? Why didn't the FBI sweep in and secure the Biden garage, the Biden think tank office, the Biden library, the way they had done with Trump? What was on them? Why did he, what was the purpose? And who had access to these rooms, garages, et cetera? And those are questions I don't think they're going to, if you're not transparent about the past things and not right. transparent, you're not going to be transparent in the future. And they can't afford that. So I think their attitude is, ah, well, the press got up on its hind legs. That was kind of good because they were such obsequious toadies that they'd lost all reputation. So I threw them a bone. They're kind of angry. And that makes it back and forth. And Kareem got a little upset and said, come on, what's wrong with you guys? We, we get along. Don't do this. And then right. it'll all be forgotten. Yeah, something but about we'll Biden. See. Yeah. Victor, that. Manchurian candidate aspect of him. And also, did you ever see that British series that the House of Cards yeah, was based on? Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a dopey Francis Urquhart uh, main character um, thing about Biden. I mean, I, I, I don't know what they wouldn't stoop to to uh, bring in money. Uh, this is at the end of the beginning, of the, the beginning and end of the day. This seems all about money. Those documents are about the cash cow, the spigot overseas that's going to keep uh, this mafia operation uh, flush in cash. It's just how, how this guy can be our president. Is no, it's they're capable of anything. I mean, as I said earlier, what what will the FBI not do? Yeah. And they, they'll do anything. They've done anything, whether that's hire out Twitter or alter documents or the director's lying under oath. They'll do anything now. And Biden, it's it's very funny because at the very time, as people pointed out, that Merrick Garland was announcing the appointment of a special counsel. He knew that Joe Biden had done the same thing. He knew that on the timeline. And so can you imagine saying, this is so important the improper removal of documents that I'm going to have a special counsel. And then under your breath, they, oh my God, uh, the same thing applies to Biden, but I right. can't do it. So I just, right. won't, I won't mention to anybody and then I'll lie my way out of it later on. If they find out, I don't think they ever thought it was going to be found out, Jack. I think somebody staffer, I don't know, mover, somebody was in charge of moving the stuff from the office. They saw a little thing that said personal. They peeked in it. They saw it classified. And they probably said, woo. And they leaked it. Or they called the lawyers and one of the lawyers leaked it. And then they took over. And the lawyers, not the government, the lawyers then said, oh, my God, let's go over to the garage and the library and the room and all that stuff. But 
Right. Uh, they were they were they were not going to report it because they hadn't for five years. Been there for five right. years. That's what nobody pointed out. Five blank years that that stuff had sat there unsecured, and people probably knew it was there, and nobody said a word. And my biggest nightmare is that <laughs> this is pure speculation, but Hunter says to Joe, "Hey, Joe, when you get out, Dad, when you get out of office, I got this great thing with Ukrainians and right. the Ch- Chinese, but I need to know." Who's this guy? How important is he? And I want to know what this guy does in Ukraine. And who's it? What's his Chinese company? Are they espionage? What was? And then Joe says, "Okay, I'll bring out some files and we'll study it." And who knows? But the way they they are framed, oh, Joe was just working on a memoir. That was all. So I don't think you can trust anything um, they say. Had we known about accurate economic data, had we known about Bankman Freed before the midterms, they altered some of the economic data after the midterms. They altered right. the, the Bankman Freed was exposed. They knew it for a month or two. Right. And same thing with these things. They would have lost uh, the Senate, I think. Interesting. Oz or somebody would have won or mastered those closer late races. Yeah. The um, the there's the Daily Mail is uh, and and Fox News also has given some focus to the one of the more comical congressmen in history, Hank Johnson, the one who <laughs> thought that an island might flip over. But he's kind of the point man for putting out there this idea. <laughs> excuse me, that uh, this stuff was planted in order to get uh, Joe, not that Joe left it wherever the many places he's left these documents. I, I wonder, a little conspiracy theory is like, okay, if we're going to get it out there, whoever the we are, the we that wants to get rid of Joe Biden in 2024, let's have this clown uh, be the person that yeah, puts I was it gonna out say, there. I was wondering if he's going to say, be careful when you go to the garage. If you stand on one side of the garage, the whole thing is going to flip over. <laughs> Right. <laughs> but uh, I remember him. I had to testify one time on immigration to his uh, committee. And it was he was a subcommittee. He was on it. It was just it, it's frightening that that guy is in Congress. It really is. Yeah, <laughs> it's really frightening. I mean, anybody who believes that if everybody rushes to one side of Guam, the whole. But the nice thing about that, that exchange between that military officer and uh, <laughs> and Hank Johnson was right when he he says he says uh well i have a worry and you know when this tsunami and all this stuff if everybody rushes to one side of the island are you worried that it might flip and you should see the guy's face like uh he, you know, thinking I'm a military yeah. you know, high officer. He's a congressman. They have budget. Right. He is blank, blank, crazy. This guy is insane. And in so he says, uh, yeah, uh, well, yes, uh, we can take that into consideration. Right. It was I've watched that video several times. It was a, it was a great performance. You got to admit the the, the uh, whoever was the major or colonel was. Uh, yeah, it was good. I mean, but. You know, it's funny about the conspiracy stuff, because when they did the Trump stuff, you remember this, the FBI did that photo op where they scattered stuff on right, the floor. Right. And they, and that was a FBI photo op. And there was right. a few people on the right who said, see, the FBI arranged these documents to make it 
looked more sloppy, right? And they did, I think. I think that's known. And everybody said, oh, they're conspiracy theorists. They think the FBI planted stuff or framed it. And yet nobody said anything about Mr. Johnson. I don't know what the the Democrats do with people like him and AOC and, you know, Sheila, Sheila Jackson, Lee, all these nuts. I don't know what they do with them. They just. They give them, they give them uh, committee chairmanships. So, uh, Maxine Waters is, I mean, she, she and her husband made are multimillionaires out of her chairmanships on house subcommittees on finance, but, um, yeah. Yeah, well, it's, it's, uh, uh, well, let's talk about, by the way, making money off being a, a congressman. I don't think I brought this up with you in advance, but just as a quickie before we go on other subjects, did you see this report that in, in the very wee hours of the final Congress, while the Democrats were still in control, that the House Administration Committee and it was headed by that um, uh, Zoe Lofgren the, uh, from California, your beautiful state, approved uh, these change, these reimbursement changes that now congressmen can get up to thirty four thousand dollars additional <laughs> in a year for various you know live room board whatever the whatever the heck and uh, you know done in the dead of night where that I don't know how a committee can do this and not get approval of Congress. Sort of like no, the, but Republicans were there. Were they were there any? You know, it's just crazy. I went to Strasbourg once I led a group there and we're the EU Parliament and I think it was on Thursday afternoon and I said to the group that we won't have any problem with traffic and it was jammed and somebody said who was a European said, You don't understand <laughs> they take off on Thursday afternoon and they charge, you know, Friday and then Monday. And it's a, they work three days and charge us five. It's the right. same thing. It's the same thing. Well, so nice I don't, work. I don't, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. The, the thing is, Biden was 43% and he'd gone up from 39 in the real clear politics. And he polled, I think in the latest poll, he actually went up. He went ahead a point or two of, Trump and maybe a point or two down from DeSantis. But I don't know to what degree this thing is being covered because I don't watch NBC or CBS or right. read the New York Times if I can. Well, I, th- I think it's th- I think it's out there a little more than the than the you know, take Tony Babalewski, you know, who's dead silent. I, I think everybody should media. start if you're if you don't believe in a higher power and a divinity, you have to ask yourself something that these words that or in every language, philologically, they they serve the same purpose: karma, nemesis, or vernacular payback. Comes around, in old English idea comes around, goes around. It captures something in the human experience that when you go to excess or you show hubris, you're going to be hit by the, exactly the same nemesis that that uh, that is appropriate for you. So you think about it. And uh, they just demagogued that Mar-a-Lago thing to death. And you knew, given the way the cosmos works, that it was going to happen to Biden. And they right. they demagogued and demagogued and demagogued uh, this committee. Ha, 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 Adam Kinzinger and, and uh, Liz Cheney. Ha, ha, they're only the people there. We're going to kick these nuts off. And they knew, you knew that. That was going to happen to them. And then they get shocked. It was, it was so funny how 
they're just absolutely shocked that anybody would consider doing to them what they did to Republicans. And could you imagine if Kevin McCarthy goes up there and tears the State of the Union address with Biden after Biden finishes? What would they do? It would be, it would be, or what if they impeach Trump in his first, I mean, excuse me, impeach Biden like they did right. Trump over a phone call or said, you know what? You went down to Mexico and you left the border wide open and he praised, he praised the Mexican president, praised Biden for the, you're the president that has not built one foot and we've got 40 million Mexican citizens in your country. Right. Thank you. And are releasing the petroleum, the strategic petroleum reserves uh, oil on the eve of the election. Whose interest was that in? Are these student loan cancellations or amnesty for marijuana? All of that stuff was just personal demagoguing and contortions before the, the midterm at all. At the national expense, it, right. it vastly out outdoors what Trump did with a phone call and said, hey, these guys are corrupt. And before we release these offensive weapons, which Obama wouldn't sell you, but I will. I want you to clean that crap up. And they said, oh, my God, Biden is a is a political potential political candidate. And he was using the office of president. Well, what the hell is Biden doing by Raiding Mar-a-Lago when Trump is everybody knew he was going to be a candidate and right. again and, and against Biden. So it, it, it comes around and they don't understand there's a force in, in the world that oversees everything and yeah. evens it out. That's why everybody from the Greeks to the Christian period always said, know thyself, know they say autonne, and nothing to made in Agon or made in Leon on the temple of Apollo at Delphi on the Eastern and Western entrances. There's know yourself and nothing too much because that's the way you avoid nemesis. But yeah. Biden is just, he's a creature, creature out of Greek tragedy. I mean, he's the most accident prone, excessive, blowhard, boisterous, uh, dense person that, is so self-infatuated that he thinks that no, nobody would ever do to him what he does routinely to other people. Well, I say he is a, his own narcissist. People accuse Trump of being a narcissist. And I, I believe he is a narcissist, but Biden is a, is a much more destructive uh, narcissist. So, Hey, Victor, um, payback comes to other people. Uh, Adam Schiff, and Eric Swalwell, who have been uh, gotten the, the deserved boots. And let's talk about uh, what their comeuppance was right after uh, these important messages. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. 
Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Our mothership for this podcast is John Solomon's JustTheNews.com. Speaking of websites, VictorHanson.com is a place you should visit regularly and you should subscribe to it, too. Because Victor writes a lot of original material exclusively for VictorHanson.com's great uh, couple of pieces out uh, now on the on uh, the website, what the left tells us about the left, and then um, a piece, the January sixth insurrection. Those are exclusive pieces, ultra pieces. How much does it cost to subscribe? It's five bucks to get in the door. You'll love it. Fifty dollars for the year. So that's VictorHanson.com. Uh, Adam Schiff um, off the Intelligence Committee, Eric Swalwell, he who uh, was a lover of a Chinese spy, both got payback from uh, Kevin McCarthy. He was very good on that. Yeah, he was very good in his press conference. They thought they were going to shame him. And he just, you know, he just tore Adam Schiff to pieces. He said, what is he hasn't done? He's lied. He completely read into the congressional record a version of the call, which is completely a lie of Trump. And then, of course, he smeared Devin Nunes and said that his majority report was wrong. And it was just projection. Everything in his was a lie. And Devin Nunes's was correct. We now know he went after Mr. Sperry, the real clear investigator reporter, and begged Twitter to sick their censors on him as if he was some, you know, low-level Soviet commissar going after somebody. So he's, and he, he routinely lies. He'd always go on television and, and bite his lip and look and crease his brow and say he's very, he's very worried about Russian collusion. It's at the deepest levels of the Trump administration. But because he's got this sensitive responsibility as the head of the intelligence, he just can't disclose the information that's at his fingertips. It was all a lie. So he's kicked off, but I think he was going off anyway. And Fang Fang, Swalwell, she was an expert, you know. I think she left in You knew her. I, right? well, I didn't know her. I think I told you that. I think you I met her. I know. But I didn't mean yeah, I wrote some very critical yeah. things about China and its infiltration of uh, U.S. elite business people and politicians. I got this weird call from the Chinese consul in San Francisco, supposedly, and it said, we have somebody who wants to talk about your incorrect views. And I said, you know, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. I'm going home. I was at my Uber office. And all of a sudden, she said she was the consul, per consul person. And she says, I'm outside the Hoover Tower. I want to talk to you. Just something was weird. So I have two people that work for me. Very excellent. And I asked them, I opened the door and I asked, you know, them to stay there. At least one of them did the whole time. And this woman came in and she had on skin tight. I've never seen tighter jeans with knee boots, you know. Yeah. And uh, white blouse kind of open too much with shades yeah. on. And she had some gifts. And I explained I couldn't take the gifts. My kind and of then, counsel. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then she she started this. Chinese accent, heavily accented. And did I know that the Japanese government was criminal and, and it hadn't changed since World War II? And 
all this stuff. And I kind of listened to about three minutes of it. And I said, you know, I'm really busy. This is just propaganda. Is that what you guys do? The consul's office just reads op-eds every day. And well, you know, I've been very active in California politics and making sure that China, because of our, I don't know, population, they need to be protected. It was all this crap. And then after a while, I said, I'm done. And then she just broke out in a Valley Girl accent. I can't remember the details, but it was something like she almost, I think she went to, she said she went to Cal State Hayward or some Cal State campus. Victor, I know our listeners want to hear you imitate her, but. I will. Uh, she goes, yeah. she said, yes, I will. She said, okay, man. Okay, man. It's like, cut the crap, man. It's like, okay, no more. Let's talk turkey, man. Okay. I want to know something, Buster. And and then she wanted to talk about the United States and going into the South China changes. It was very funny because she said it buster. Yeah, she said, <laughs> so, man, we go in where we fucking F word we want and you don't do blank, blank. OK, OK. And then guess what? You don't do nothing. And why don't you do nothing? I can't understand, man. So tell me what to do. What's Obama's doing? And I said, I don't know. She goes, I can tell you what he's doing. He's trying to suck us in. So we go too far and over Japan or we go into Taiwan and then he's going to have a bear trap. I said, if you want to believe that, it serves our purposes of deterrence. <laughs> and it, she, it was amazing. She went from a heavily accented Chinese yeah. Amer uh, English to pure for San Fernando Valley Valley girl. Talented yeah. lady. Wow. Yeah. Yes. And then. uh she, you know, when she saw the door was open and I was an old guy and there was somebody there and I wasn't going to take her gifts, but which right. reminded me, I didn't know that until she reappeared for a brief period. I think it was in 2015, right? Or is it 16? Right. With Swalwell. And I thought, wow, he is one of the dumbest people in Congress. He's one of the most arrogant. She, he would be a perfect target for this woman. And he was on the Intelligence Committee. And Amazing. I, did he ever confess to, or he just didn't deny that he had carnal relations with her? I think the latter. He he said he didn't deny it. I don't think he I don't I don't think he admitted to it. Put it that way. OK, OK, I could be wrong, but but he's the idea that he was in, he was involved with. This Chinese espionage person. And I think finally they sent her home or they had to get rid of her because. And then I found out, I mentioned to somebody, I can't remember who it was, and said she popped up everywhere in Silicon Valley at every local Congress, Democratic Congress can, candidates fundraising. She was there. What, what's that guy's name? Rope Kanana or whatever his name is. She was there. Swalwell, she was there. She was like Zilig. She was everywhere. And how anybody could be so stupid to think that that clumsy spy operative actually was anything other than what she was is just amazing. So I thought, wow, nobody would ever fall for this, you know? Yeah, and, well. And she said, hey, man, it's like, you want to go over and there's a, a restaurant on El Camino. It's very across the Stanford campus, very expensive. She goes, hey, man, let's go have steaks and beer and fries. Okay, man. And I said, I don't think so. It, it was, and I kind of played like I was, well, yeah. uh, I am. I was about 60, 
three at the time. And, yeah. I, and I acted like I was an old man. I said, it's getting late. It was like three yeah. in the afternoon. But, <laughs> I got to go uh, take my Metamucil and have a nap. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but then she, uh, she got angry when I said, uh, I can't take your gift. And she stormed out and left it there. And I think it's still in the bookcase. It's a, it's a little, uh, what do you call it? You know, a tapestry. Paperweight? No, it's oh. a ha- hand-painted Chinese tapestry, but huh, yeah. uh, I'll give it to charity if I can ever find it. It's probably a listening device. Hey, uh, Victor. Of that, yeah, but what, yeah. what do I know? Um, hey, uh, hey, we, we need to talk about uh, Pete Buttigieg. This was a bad week again for Americans traveling. It was one of the few weeks, Victor, you didn't get, you have had your own problems. You don't need a national breakdown of the oh, travel system yeah. to have travel, uh, your own travel crises. But yeah, a real, uh, you know, blank storm earlier this week. The whole U.S. air system shut down because of some glitch. Uh, and then strangely, later in the day, the same thing happens up in Canada. Um, our esteemed uh, Secretary of Transportation. Mayor knowing, of South Bend. By, by the way, yeah, I mean, the guy who put in bike racks in South Bend, um, he... he uh, he has been spending his time when he is actually at work, you know, when he's not on paternity leave, he is spending his time uh, doing what? Trying to fix these antiquated. I heard on uh, someone talking on Fox. I think this system that had its uh, the trouble had is over 30 years old and from the government standards, isn't even supposed to be replaced for six years, but clearly is in in a bad way. Um, no attention to that, but. We we He's make sure billions. well he makes sure that we have a changing FAA a language at NASA and other places that's inclusive that's really important um, Secretary of Transportation let's focus on inclusive language screw this anyway this yeah I wrote an article about this watch. I wrote an article once called the Bloomberg effect and I said it was always characteristic of incompetence to go after the misdemeanor or the irrelevant because they can't deal with the existential or the felony. In other words, Michael Bloomberg during that historic snowstorm couldn't get the snow off the street, but instead he was either lecturing about global climate change or he was talking about supersized drinks, anything other than address the problem. This guy was put, this is what's so weird. He always plays the victim. I'm been a gay man, and I, it's very hard to be a gay man and a gay man, gay man, gay man, as if that is all he is. And so what people don't realize is, or he doesn't realize, usually the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, does not become a presidential candidate. He did because he said he was a veteran. He did go over to Afghanistan, although he didn't, as he later admitted, didn't go out beyond the wire, I think he said. But then he's very glib, he's very sanctimonious, he's very rhetorical, and he's gay, and he's gay, and he's gay. And he mentioned that the entire campaign, and then he threw his weight into Biden when Biden started to win because he that was what failed candidates that had no support did to get a cabinet post. He had no expertise in transportation. He was just a woke diversity, equity, inclusion uh, factotum. So he gets in there and immediately he's 
gets his, was it $50 billion budget? And he starts looking at, oh, I can go after vocabulary. I can uh, say that these, uh, the, the Federal Highway Act of the 1960s was racist. We're not going to do that. Uh, clover leaves are racist. We're not, we're going to have a green mass tra- even though California's example is, is a warning never to do what we're doing. But so everything he did was either irrelevant or counterproductive, but it was always woke. And meanwhile, we were coming out of this insane lockdown with this huge pent-up demand, and 30% of the workforce would not come out of COVID lockdowns, either because they were afraid of COVID, or they had COVID, or they had long COVID, or they were getting money from the government. And the labor participation rate was an all-time low. And same was true of our suppliers. And guess what? We had, God, I flew down to Los Angeles and I looked out the window and I'd never seen anything like it. There was a ship every 600 yards all the way out to the horizon. And then when you flew over uh, the port of Los Angeles, there were cargo trailers just junked everywhere. In other words, there was no, it was so backed up out in sea, but it was so backed up inside that these people were just dumping their cargo, their trailers and taking their rigs back. And then we had the, he didn't do anything about it. He couldn't, he didn't know what to do. He didn't even go down there and act like he was in charge. And then they had the trains coming in and out of the ports. It was like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid. They looked like they'd been blown up and there was trap. Remember that? Those pictures of Amazon packages all over the ground, nothing. And then, even before the Christmas meltdown, when Southwest Airlines imploded, all these airlines had been given billions of dollars during COVID. Even before that, I had been flying and I had never seen anything like it. You know, I, I, I get in the Fresno airport and I'm I'm kind of nervous person anyway. And I think, well, I got an hour connection in uh, Dallas. And the pilot says, we're going to make a little... Uh, we're going to do a funny thing. We're going to kind of make a little detour to San Francisco, <laughs> like 180 miles in the wrong direction. We got to top off this oil. I don't uh, gas. I don't know what happened, but uh, they're having some problems at fat. There's no air terminal. They just, uh, well, we're going to go do it. And then, you know, you're gone. And then I'm in Chicago and I'm sitting there. Delay, 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 delay. I was there at two in the, in the afternoon. And finally, the six o'clock plane takes off at 11 at night. And where I think, wow, I'm finally going to get home at three in the morning and we get over Denver. And I got something to tell you. Uh, we're just going to make a, a short little uh, detour because uh, I've been told that there is no gasoline in Fresno and we wouldn't have enough to take off this plane tomorrow morning. So we're going to top off. Uh, we'll go and di- we're going to go to Denver and it will just that it's just going to be an hour, three hours later. That happened to me all the time. Cancel right. flights, no fuel. He was the transportation secretary. And then the blank hit the fan with Southwest Airlines, 7,000 cancellations. And we had the Christmas web. And now we have the computer system. And then every single time, he never takes responsibility. He either says, this place, things were not working well when I came here, or this is not going to happen again. And then you find out that he's going to a soccer match with his wife-husband. He's going to Portugal. 
He's right. flying private and he gets angry and he suggested if you think that he should not be flying on a private jet why no one else can fly on a public jet, which he's in charge, then you are fixating inordinately on a gay man. That was his implication. Oh, is that why? So I saw Nancy Mace put announce, I think it was her, some bill that he would have to fly commercial. I didn't know he was flying private. When, when oh, yeah, he flew flying. a lot of private. Okay. And not that yeah. they all don't do it, but remember when, right. was it Bush's, I mean, excuse me, Trump's secretary of the interior was flying too much private and they went after him. Ryan's a, Oh, Zinke, and yeah. also uh, uh, the head. Of, oh my gosh, he was the Attorney General of Oklahoma. Um, um, I forgot his name too. And they yeah. had to. They got forced out of office. Right. Right. So, oh, also he, the Secretary of HHS, uh, yes. the former. Yeah. So, what my point yeah. is, what he does, what Buttigieg does, and that's that's characteristic of the identity politics industry, is that he poses as a oppressed victim because of a sexual orientation and therefore gets sympathy or attention. But the moment you treat him like anybody else would be treated rather than extraordinarily lenient, which he has received, uh, given his totally incapacity in that job and lack of any experience or expertise in transportation, then he tr he flips it around on you and says that you're only fixating on him. And that's what he does. Remember the, the photo op where the SUV dumps him off. He gets on the bike with a helmet and he does the last mile to his office and then preaches to everybody about. Right. Hey. Right. Hey. This is all kind of funny, but in fact, he's very dangerous because yeah. he's done a lot of harm to people's lives. And, you know, in, in theory, it, the Homeland Security or the Department of Interior or the Department of Energy, he has a hand, too, in the decision whether to release oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. And because that's going to affect your diesel and gasoline prices at the pump, and that's transportation. And again yeah. and again, he has weighed in, cancel Keystone, put Anwar off, no more federal leases of new oil or gas fields. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. Price gets high. That's good. And Stephen Chu style, because everybody will then either ride a bike a mile like he does or get an electric car or I don't know what, but they won't be able to get in their car and drive. It's very sinister because you can see where this I'm not a conspiracist, but you can see where this line of thinking is. If you said to Pete Buttigieg and people like him, what do you want? If God gives you every one of your wishes, what you want, he would want us all to be in mass transit and buses. And we would be yeah. bused to high rises and we would be bused by union, unionized drivers. And if the buses were not secure and it was not safe to ride the mass transit, then you were a racist and you can't defend yourself. They do not want the American public in their own safe cars with their own choice where they want to go, what neighborhood they want to visit, who's control of the driving apparatus. And they, right. it's, it's this idea that so insidiously they want you dependent in every aspect of your life. You want to live in a yeah. high rise, you got to take an elevator and the elevator's got to be inspected and we got to be run. And then you've got to have a, a control of the apartment building and you're not going to have your lawn with your, your gas, uh, lower and you're got and you just can't go you know cook 
Right. Cook outside. We're going to control every aspect like you're in a hive. And, you're part right. And, and, and we know, know where you are at every time, every yeah. point of time, and also know every expenditure. This, so this $600 um, uh, limit shows we, we want to know everything you do, everything you buy. And that's what, and then, he, then he's exempt. And they're, they're always exempt. They're the the apparat, the nomenclator of the Soviet Union, they have to be exempt. They're John Kerry on their private jet or John Kerry uh, sending his yacht back and forth to get out of property tax or Al Gore rushing his sale of a carbon spewing funded cable TV yeah. so he can get 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 a cheaper capital gains rate. They always do this. Are the Obama's lecturing everybody about uh, racism in neighborhoods and uh his HUD is not going to allow white flight and uh, da, 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 uh, but we're going to live in Martha's Vineyard and Calorama and Washington and a big, nice beach house in Hawaii. Yeah. It's so I, it's I, so weird that they this idea that they can get away with it so easily because they're so morally superior and entire and, ex- and exempt from criticism. I have yeah. to share this with you, Victor. I got this. Screen. Someone texted me this yesterday. They know my kids all went to the University of Connecticut. And here's a poster from UConn. It's for a some live stream coming up next in two weeks. When trolls threaten faculty of color, strategies for universities to proactively protect their faculty. And of course, it's like the Mohammed, whatever, head of this department, that department. But they cannot... They cannot be criticized for anything. They're exempt. It's crazy. Well, I mean, think about it. You can't win. So Daryl Hammond has this tragic accident. And almost immediately, the race industry starts to publish this uh, narrative that black athletes are subject inordinately to this uh, game of violence. I guess it profits white people or something, even though. Most of the studies show in some professional sports audiences or TV ratings have gone down. At least they had gone down radically until this year. But the point I'm making is that if you look at these professional sports, women's basketball, I think it's about 15 percent white major league um, baseball. Uh, it's only about 55 or 60 percent white because there's a lot of Latinos, not as many blacks. Right. Uh, football, I think it's about 25% white. NBA, it's 17, 18% white because of, and that's only because of foreign, you know, Eastern Europeans. But my point is this, that in all of those, with the exception of baseball, African Americans in this highly coveted, highly compensated, highly leveraged sport where you can make millions because of your, uh, social prominence and cultural, uh, weight. My God, it's a, a godsend. And then all of a sudden, it it's bad. So which is it? Do you want white, so-called white people to be, they make up about 68% of the population. Do you want them to be about 68% of the NFL? And then they would be hurt in commiserate numbers? Or do you want black people to be inordinately, disproportionately represented? I don't understand that you can't win. So when you right. get to a situation you can't win, then people shrug and say, screw it. I, I can't right. participate in this. 
it doesn't make any sense anymore. So yeah. it's like no one, Victor, no one will honestly answer the question you just asked. What do you want? What is it that you really want? Would you just tell me what you want? I you, don't know. you will never get an honest I, answer. I don't for know. That. It's like Stanford yeah. University. They give three pieces of information out. I said before in the incoming class, 23% on their white website says it's white. Okay. So they're using quotas. Uh, and now this SAT is optional. Okay. But what was the mean SAT of the people who were admitted? Those who took it, they won't, they won't acknowledge it, but they will acknowledge it that those who took it, who had perfect scores, 70% of them were rejected as if that's a badge of honor. Well, we rejected 70% of a perfect. And that almost implies that they had very high standards, but they didn't because they won't release the, the actual scores of the people who, right. who uh, were admitted. And then you're using this quota and it's almost as if, you know, you say 23% white, that makes it maybe 10% white males. And that's where the wealthy people come out of. And so you're just saying, we don't want, I just get this vision of all of these very, very elite wealthy people in these rooms at that university saying, we do not want those white working class kids here. We do not want them. And when if they apply and they have GPAs from Indiana that are 4.5 and a perfect, I don't want that SOB here on this campus. And it, it's, it's toxic the way that they, they're obsessed with race. And I don't know what the purpose is. I really don't want to do it because it, it's, it's tragic because it inaugurates a chain of lies. So you let this highly diverse student body in that did not meet your standards, not mine, Victor's standards, Stanford standards for years. And they must have had them for a reason, Jack. Say in 1995 or 2006, they must have had a mean SAT and GPA, etc. Or otherwise, why have them? So they must have felt that they were important to guarantee the faculty that they would have a level of instruction that would be competitive and they would turn out the nation's elite as far meritocratic elite. And so all of a sudden you, you, you destroy those standards and then you have to do what? You have to adjust the classes, the grading, the content, and then you have to ensure graduation. And then what? And then you have to ensure if anybody's going with a Stanford degree, they get into medical school or law school and adjust there and then adjust and adjust and adjust. Right. And then somebody, you know, you have these people in our society that are African-American that are brilliant, a Tom Sowell, a Shelby Steele, a Glenn Lowry, or this Representative Donalds, right? Or this this persecuted, brilliant economist, um, Roland Fryer at Harvard. And what did they do? They go after them. They try to make their life miserable. It's almost if, if they're saying, if you succeed, you are proving that African-Americans have the same talent as white people do. And they can right. compete on any field with white people. And they do it I, all I, the time. And you can't I, do I, that because if you don't, if you do that, you're undermining the whole woke uh, affirmative action, compensatory, repertory industry. And it's very lucrative for people like us who don't want to do what you do. 
Victor, I have to interrupt. I, yeah, well, I want to ask you about, did you see Joy Reid go after? Yes, I um, did. So I did. we've got only a, a few minutes left, and i got to get a break in here. So let's keep on this theme and, and, and get your thoughts on what happened, transpired there. And we'll do that right after this final message. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson show. So, Victor, I know people are going to send it, but should you shut up, Fowler? Stop. Do not interrupt Victor when he's on a rant. But um, you you brought up this uh, um, Congressman uh, Brian Donalds, who we know, those of us who watch the... Uh, the speaker drama play out over days was at one point nominated to be the speaker. And then that guy's got moxie. He went on, um, he went on MSNBC and I can, it's hard. It would be hard to imagine a more disrespectful interview than, than how Joy Reid, a black woman addressed this black congressman, Republican congressman, your thoughts about that. Well, I mean, it was it was one of the most self-incriminatory things I've ever seen on television. Here, this woman, Joy Reid, is incompetent. She gets on that soapbox, and all she does is, is spew racial hatred. When she gets a uh, figure that the white population is the lowest it's ever been proportionally, she's happy and she wants to celebrate it. She buys into Russian disinformation. She talks about the uh, uh, the Russian laptop. She talks about uh, the bots. She does every conspiracy. She's completely incompetent. She talks, she gives lectures about cultural appropriation and people trying to steal black culture while she dyes her hair blonde, gold. So she, she's just a walking contradiction and incompetent. So here you have a guy that comes in who's very successful, father of three, married for, I don't know, 20 years plus financial guy. And he, he just tells her that social security is insolvent. She has, she goes ballistic, but her main gripe is that she's accused him of being a token. And every time uh, there is a rumor that Jory reads has no audience and that everybody who's white, who has no audience is out uh, because MSNBC and especially CNN are imploding, she plays the race card. They call up all, you know, the, the new generation of Al Sharp, and this is terrible, depriving a black woman of her voice, all this stuff. So she projects that onto him and says, you know, you're a useful idiot. 
And he says, no, I mean, people, I didn't, they wanted to nominate me because I'm conservative and articulate. I'm a leader. And, you know, they nominated Donald Trump. They nominated Jim Jordan, that she said, and they didn't get very many votes either, if as much as he did. So the point was that she was a racist because of all the people that were the alternatives to Kevin McCarthy, none of them had any support. They were all symbolic, iconic nominations, as was his. But she was focusing on him because he was black and she wanted to make the point that uh, if you are black and if you are conservative and if white conservatives appreciate your excellence, and he is excellent, then you're a threat to me, Joy Reid, because I didn't do what you did. I didn't get to where I am because I'm articulate and I'm incisive and I'm analytical. And I'm dispassionate. She did just the opposite. And she knows that. And so it's it's not going to end well. I don't see any uh, solution to this problem, except if you can guarantee a natural equality result. And the only way you can do that is to every individual who has an equality of opportunity has to take advantage of it. And if there are historical or contemporary nullifying factors of that opportunity or taking advantage of that opportunity, then yes, private charities, Catholic church, the U.S. government, they can come in and have you know, what would what would have happened if 30 years ago in the south side of Chicago, there were 20 parochial schools with uniforms, mandatory Latin uh, diction, analysis, mm-hmm. English composition, literature. And you got that uh, inner city youth at the age of six and you each year turned out seven, eight thousand high school graduates that were better spoken, more articulate than the average person. I mean, we wouldn't have a race problem today because right. there would be such a meritocracy that then they'd be. But when you don't do that and then at the back end, you've got these guilty white people and you give it way down the chain without investing the time at the early years, just instant. We're going to make this person this person. Because we feel guilty. And the funny thing about it all is it's reaching the logical end of the trajectory. Because once you start doing this, uh, and this is an old idea in classical literature, you know, I don't want to go back to the critiques of Socrates and Aristotle and pseudo Xenophon about democracy. But their point was, once you start mandating a qual, it never ends. Or as Aristotle says, every person who votes equally he was kind of a critic of radical and thinks that his vote is just as important, which is he's he's he thinks that's OK, but he will demand equality in other aspects of his life. I want this just if I can vote just like you. I want a house just like you. I want a, a horse just like you. I want a boat just like you. And he says it's never ending. And so what you're, you're seeing is the more that we mandate equality and that suggests that somebody we that american society is culpable then the more that their man's increase not decrease increase until you get to the point where you're going to have disproportionate so that a a demographic that has been six generations from having somebody as an ancestor who was enslaved has legitimate griefs grievances against somebody who's 
parents six generations were in Ireland or Poland or died marching through Georgia with Sherman to free slave. That's how absurd it is. And it's not going to get better until everybody says we're not going to talk about race. It's right. incidental. It's, it doesn't matter. It's not, it's, it's, it's just not an important topic. Yeah. And we're going to, yeah. and for that to happen, I, I think the six, the, the white bicoastal elite who started this whole thing out of guilt, uh, has to step up and they have to, you know, they have to ask certain questions. Why are an, a record number of African Americans Remigrating back to the South that drove them out under Jim Crow. Why, when they went to the North, uh, after three or four generations, they want to go back to Alabama and Mississippi? And the answer is that there is a quality of opportunity now, but more importantly, there is still vestigial cultures in those Southern states of traditional values and that right. that encourages religion and family. And that uh, means your son's not going to be shot down in the street of Chicago. Right. And that, that's a damning, a damning indictment of what the left has done to these big Northern uh, integrated cities. And I, it, it just, if you had said to somebody, if you walked up to Bull Connor and you walked up to George Wallace or Lester Maddox, and you said in 60 years, your South is going to be the most integrated and the most successful paradigm of government and African-Americans who are fleeing to Detroit and Cleveland are going to be coming back and they're going to be in many places running your state. They would have, they would have fallen over and they would. And then you could have said to Lester, Governor Maddox, you know, all these northerners that are lecturing you on the racist that you are, they're going to drive they're going to drive African-Americans out because uh, they have a weird sort of racism, a condescending racism. And uh, the result is that inner cities in Minneapolis and Cleveland and, as I said, Baltimore, Detroit, they're not working and nobody wants to live there. You wouldn't believe it's been one of the most ironic things that the old Confederacy, yeah. the old Confederacy doesn't have a one drop rule like the North does. Like, right. The right. old Confederacy doesn't have nullification of federal law like sanctuary cities in the North. The mm. old can, you know, the old Confederacy has three classes. It doesn't have two classes like California's plantation class in Silicon Valley and then the peasants, the rest of us in California. It's, it's so, I wrote an article about this for the new criteria and it was called the new Confederates. Right. Those were the Northerners who emulate the values of the old Confederacy. Well, Victor, let's um, I, I just I have to mention, you don't have to comment on this. I saw a piece in Time magazine right before the New Year's, so the white su- supremacist origins of exercise in the U.S. So when you talk about the bicoastal elites, the, you, as they're on mentioned. their Pelotons. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you just said it. Pelotons. Yeah, and obesity is racist. Yeah, uh, yeah. To talk about obesity is racist. To talk about exercise is race. Everything is race. I can't think of anything that has not been called racist. Pet right. owning pets are racist. Uh, everything is. If everything is racist, then nothing is racist. I don't know what's going to happen to this, but you know that this is not sustainable in a society, in a global competition when we have. China looking over our shoulder, and we all said this is not going to permeate. Thank God. 
STEM uh, disciplines in the university, physics, math, and engineering. Right. It is. It is. It is. Right. And it's undermining the very ability to function as a sophisticated society. And it's going to be at some point, one or two things are going to happen. We're going to go down the whole woke road and this thing is going to crumble because merit. when you have schools that are deliberately withholding information, in many cases to immigrant parents, that their children were national merit scholars and deprive those kids of the opportunities that accrue from doing so spectacularly on the PSAT. Right. That's sick. And that's not sustainable. And so it's either going to be like that or it's going to blow up like me too. Finally, when everybody was guilty and they started going after Garrison Keillor and uh, Charlie Rose and all these liberal icons. And then they hit a, a wall with Joe Biden and Tara Reid. And remember during the primaries that uh, Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, Demagogue, oh, Joe, you're, and then it just stopped. And when they just stopped, they thought, wait a minute, we're, we're cannibalizing our own. It's over. Right. Not that there's not some vestigial value from it. And then the, uh, the Kavanaugh hearings with the circus, those two events, the Kavanaugh hearings, which were sort of a Jacobin guillotine event and uh, the terror read that ended me too, as that kind of frenzy. And the same thing I think is going to happen to woke or it's going to succeed. And if it succeeds, we're done for. We're done. Yeah. You destroy merit and, and they're going to say, well, as a white man, Victor, of course you, you define merit in your own trip. No, I don't. If you take my field, I can say, here's merit. I'll hand you a page of Thucydides, funeral oration of uh, Pericles. Read it out loud. If you can read it out loud, you can be a classicist. Translate it out loud to me. If you can't, you can't be. That's mm-hmm. it. And so what do you do? You try to say that Greek's not necessary at Princeton for the undergraduate major. Or they water it down in the graduate program. It's It's... It's just a whole generation of, of really critical research, you know. When I well, I, and, and I, as, you, gone, as you said in the in STEM also, Victor, and, and the extensions of STEM, um, nobody wants to have brain surgery. But if you were going to have brain surgery, would you want it now, or would you want it twenty five years from now? Like, who the hell are going to be the doctors of twenty in twenty five years? I, I tell everybody, I have kid, you know, young people say, "What would you, what would you read in classical literature?" I always say. You ha- do not read any account of the Greeks. If you if you get a, a introductory called the Greeks and it's written after 2010, but especially after two, don't read it. It's it, it's poorly written. It's inaccurate. The author did not know Greek and Latin very well, and it's politicized and will go back to H.D. Kiddo's The Greeks, and up there or go back even further if you want to eat at Hamilton. But do not do it because it, it's tainted. It's, it's as right. I said to Sam the other day, it's like it was published in Germany from 33 to 45 mm-hmm. or in Russia from 17 to 89. It, it's just worthless because it's so ideological and the language shows it. And they've ruined the they've lost so much talent that was not put to use. that could have done such great things. And it really shows you if you can't build mass transit or you can't send a man to the moon anymore or you you can't keep the airlines running uh, or you can't 
you know, you and I have talked about the scenes of San Francisco that you see in Vertigo written a half century right. ago, more right. than a half century ago compared to now. Uh, and it, it just shows you that this this generation, which was not meritocratic, has destroyed their civilization they inherited. And we've got to restore it somehow. And the only way I know how to is insist on a meritocracy. Yeah. Well, my friend, you have served up a lot of a lot of worthwhile uh, commentary and thought today. I appreciate it immensely. Before we uh, end, as we typically do, I, I do want to uh, uh, give a little pitch for what I do. Jack Bowler, I write a free weekly email newsletter called Civil Thoughts, and you can sign up for it at civilthoughts.com, and it gives you a dozen or more recommended readings, things I've come across in the previous week that I think intelligent people uh, might be interested in reading. Uh, Civil Thoughts is a product of the Center for Civil Society at American Philanthropic. So check them out, centerforcivilsociety.com, uh, civilthoughts.com. Thanks very much. So, And thanks to all who listen on whatever platform you listen to and those who listen on Apple uh, podcasts or iTunes have the ability to leave uh, rankings from zero to five stars. And I, by the way, Victor, I saw someone, I, I'm not going <laughs> to comment, raise the comment, but someone was clearly uh, someone named Karen who was upset uh, that Victor Davis Hanson uh, used that uh, talking about Karen's and that, and I think only gave two stars, was kind of upset by that. But I said anyway, Karen. Oh, you know, we'll be talking about, yeah, you met the, the, this, this Karen, this Karen type, this archetype of the Karen. Why was so, she upset about it? Because you Well, because it, I, it, I have it, a feeling her name was Karen. Uh, oh, she didn't leave. She didn't sign off. Yeah. Can oh. you imagine if you're a nice lady named Karen in this day and age? I know a I lot mean, of nice you know, ladies they... named Karen. I don't know where the term <laughs> Karen came from. I think it was, they felt that it was a ubiquitous common name for women, yeah. white, upper class, suburban intrusive anal retentive wealthy suburbanites that got in your face and that generation that's, that's now about 55 to 70 were named Karen yeah. more than today maybe they should swap out the names like they do for hurricanes hazel, or tropical storms gladys <laughs> or hazel yeah well here's one comment though from pamela 7644 who writes as always a pleasure to listen to you about your dogs and life on the farm we talked about the um last week uh, victor you wrote some wonderful pieces for for your website victorhanson.com ultra articles on your dogs uh so sorry you have to deal with uncooperative neighbors uh this is how my like neighborhood that. is like coming uncooperative that's a nice euphemism yeah right uh that is a that's a, that's uh, that is the euphemistic key thing i've ever heard given what you've been through with some of your neighbors our culture is not the one we were raised in which is exactly what we've been talking about so thank you pamela 7644 thank you victor thanks everyone for listening and we will be back soon with another episode of the victor davis hansen show bye-bye thank you everybody It's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore 
of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey. 